Namaung Vishnu Paraya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Swami Sri Bhakti Vedanta Prabhu Parayate Nama Gura Bhagyam Shira Siddhitva Shaktya Vesha Swarupine Hare Krishna Iti Mantrena Paschacha Prachatarine Vishwacharja Prabharyaya Nibya Karunya Murtaye Sri Bhagavata Madhurya Gita Jnana Pradayane Gaurashi Rupa Siddhanta Saraswati Nishevine Radha Krishna Padam Boja Bringaya Gurave Namaha Namaum Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimati Bhakti Vedanta Swaminiti Namine Namaste Saraswati Devim Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Sunyavadi Paschachade Satarine Nivyatanum Suchanda Badanam Varaka Chelanchitam Sandranandapuram Sadeka Varanam Vairagya Vidyam Budim Sri Siddhanta Nidhim Subhakti Lasitam Saraswatanam Varam Banditam Subhadam Adeka Sharanam Nyasishwaram Sridharam Ajanulam Bhitabhujo Kanakabhadato Sankitanayaka Pitaro Kamalaya Takso Vishwambaro Dvijabaro Yugadharma Palo Vande Jagat Priyakaro Karunabhutaro Vandeshi Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sovodito Gurudaye Pushpavanto Chitro Sandotumonuno Krishna Vanam Tisakrishna Sangopangastra Parshadam Yagnai Sankitana Prayer Yajanti Sumedasaha Deyam Sadaparibhavnam Udhishtadoham Tetaspadam Shivabarinchi Nutam Sharanyam Vrityati Ham Pranatapala Plavdipotam Vande Mahapurushade Charanada Vindam Chakva Sudhus Chadasurepsita Raja Lakshmin Dharmishtaya Vachasa Yadagadaranyam Mayamrigam Daitaipsitaman Vadavada Vande Mahapurushade Charanada Vindam Suvarnavarna himango varnangas chandanagadi sanyasakitsamashanto nishtashanti parayana varagya vidya dijabhakti yogam shikshatameka purusha parana shri krishna chaitanya sharira dadi kripambuliyasvamam prapadye he krishna karuna sindhu dinabandhu jagatpate Gopisha Gopika Kantarara Kantanamustade Tapta Kanchana Gurangi Radhe Vrindabhanishwari Vishrabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Shri Gauri Vaishnav Guru Parampara Ki Jai Esi Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada Ki Jai Esi Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada Avirbhavamutsabhatiti Vyasabhuja Ki Jai Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai so, morning. 
everyone. <clears throat> Smaller group this morning. Did you have a good night's rest? After a late night last night? And Agni's ecstatic fainting. <laughs> you heard about it? I heard about it, yeah. Yeah. So, here, usually, uh, on this occasion, the occasion of Prabhupada's Vyasa Puja, I say a few words in, uh, in honor of His Divine Grace. And so I think we'll continue with that uh, format. It seems to be pleasing to the, to the devotees. So, um, as I say, I'll say a few words and then we'll have the Arctic for Prabhupada and be followed by the Arctic for uh, Chaitanya Bhagavan and Nitananda Prabhu and then the Mahaprasad. Hmm. We have a saying an understanding, I should say, excuse me, I should say of the Vedanta Sutra, maybe the fourth aphorism of the first verse, Ikshatena Shabdat. Understanding that it's, it's uh, different than the uh, Shankar's uh, understanding, um, <clears throat> which his understanding is something like Ikshatena Shabdat. One cannot. Uh, the nature of the of Brahman is that you can't beyond words. From where words go and return, where mind goes and returns, we don't disagree with the fact that uh, ultimate reality is situated beyond mind and beyond words, and being beyond words is therefore. Uh, difficult to do justice to, but our way of thinking about it is not that we can't say anything about it, but that we cannot say enough about it, about that about which one cannot say enough. So words fail, words come up short, but still, if we can speak, then this is what we should speak about. Akshnofalam, what is it? Akshnofalam Tadrusha. Darshanami akshnu phalam tadrisha kat prasanga akshnu phalam tadrisha and all that. It means that so many of the great souls then to see is the perfection of eyes, to touch is the perfection of sangha, to speak is the perfection of the tongue, and so forth. So there's not enough that we can say to, uh, as there is not enough that we can say to poetically glorify Brahman, to glorify the Absolute, to glorify Krishna. Same holds true, of course, with his devotees who are situated in such. And even in that, for that matter, in order to do so at all, we, we feel that we need their power to, to adequately, uh, or to, to attempt, I should say, to... to uh, Offer some praise, some some respect, some appreciation. So that that being the case, that we cannot say enough. And nonetheless, on occasions like this, and 
it's uh, often difficult for people to say anything. Those Vyasa Puja offerings that people write are probably some of the more difficult things. They have feelings, they have sentiments, they have regard for their Gurudev, but then to articulate it, to say it, to say it, and, uh, it's, it's, it's difficult. And, and the, the, the task, again, is it seems like, well, what can I possibly say to express my gratitude or what understanding do I really have? It's it's the tip of the iceberg only. So there's this kind of inadequacy that devotees feel. And uh, I just want to let you know, by way of a long introduction, that I also feel that way. <laughs> so although I talk a fair amount about these things, and it may seem to you like I have an inexhaustible resource of of words and glorification of Gaur and Krishna and Guru and so forth. Nonetheless, uh, every year, you know, you have to dig deeper and uh, and, um, and it's not my standard to repeat myself. Right? I mean, here and there, themes are repeated and whatnot, but those of you that listen to me over the years know every talk is, is different. So, so um, not that I prepare much, uh, but uh, I certainly haven't today, but at any rate, there are a couple things that come to mind. Uh, just relative to discussions that have been uh, going on uh, recently on our forum, we, there has been a, a discussion that uh, touches on, on Prabhupada from two sides. One side is a discussion of the, the, the nature of his um, relationship with Krishna, Swarup, and within the context of that, the appropriateness or not of speaking about it, and to what extent, and so forth. And uh, those of you on the forum are familiar with a long uh, discussion there. And, and with my style of conducting uh, or facilitating the discussion, letting people say what, you know, give, I create an, an, an atmosphere in which I don't think people too feel, feel too inhibited about saying what they feel, even if it might... Uh, differ from me, they do it with respect and whatnot, for the most part, and, and we encourage that. And so, it's been a wide-ranging uh, discussion. Um, and the other discussion, and that hasn't really turned into a discussion, but uh, uh, has brought Prabhupada into the forum again, which is you know, for, for consideration, is by, indirectly by way of another website that somehow, um, with all good intentions, one of the members got connected with and thought it was something to talk about, and it was, but it turned into a whole other affair where we got transported, those who followed the link, to another website where some person was um, not speaking about Prabhupada in terms that were very palatable to us, and questioning the... uh, the divinity, or the, or perhaps uh, to be more accurate in in her terms, the uh, the the measure of the divinity of, of Prabhupada, which she didn't seem to measure as highly as as uh, as we do, or as most do for that matter, and her reasons and whatnot uh, were there. So these, anyway, two two instances in which uh, recently some. Scope for discussion about Prabhupada's come in some actual discussion. So maybe we can say something about these 
Um, and the first topic, of course, is this long topic. It's been going on for, for, for a long time. Recently got new life, the topic of Prabhupada's um, relationship with Krishna, in that um, I had asked Babru to compile much of the information that, uh, that was gathered on that discussion about Prabhupada's sentiments as he personally expressed them, or let's say external evidence for this. And um, so it got some new life, and that with regard to the appropriateness of sharing the, the compilation and, and so forth. And um, I think that um, I want to say that it's, uh, it's an important topic, and um, I think I've pointed that out there to, to some extent. Uh, but it's only as important as it's important to us as, we, as, as, as we've developed in our spiritual progress for this to be of interest and, uh, and concern to us. And it should reach that point when we get our um, mantra diksha then in our sampradaya we give also Guru, Guru Gayatri. So there we find Guru Devaya Vidmahi Krishnanandaya Dimahi. So you have the two sides, you know, uh, Gurudevaya Vidmahe and Krishnanandaya Dimahe. So let me consider Vidmahe, let me understand, let me, with my head, think about it and come to a proper conceptual orientation and understanding of the of Guru Tattva. This is then Sambandha. So we're praying for Sambandha with regard to Guru Tattva. It's a big, big topic. Krishna says, Acharjamam Vijaniyam. And this lady on this other, her other site was quoting this, of course. Acharjamam Vijaniyam. We'll have to come back to that. It means that it's from Krishna's words, from Bhagavatam, 11th Canto, he says, you should know the Acharya to be my very self. So we'll come back to that with regard to her. Um, less than um, comprehensive understanding of the verse and its implications. Um, but uh, with regard to Guru Tattva, then, of course, uh, we understand that Guru is one. So Guru is Krishna coming to us in a particular form that's just suited for us, just t- tailor-made, so to speak, for us. That, uh, so we should pay attention there. Hmm. And so, uh, Guru Tattva. There's the there's this there's this, there's this Samasti Guru and Vyasti aspect of Guru Tattva. That, that there's the kind of the reservoir, the Akanda Guru Tattva, the source of Guru Tattva, and then there's the particular individual manifestation of that, who's our Guru Dev. Hmm. So. Guru Devaya Vidmahe. So we pray like this to understand Guru Tattva, but we also pray Krishnanandaya Dimahi. So from Sambandha, with proper Sambandha, Sambandha means relationship. So it means like what's what. It's a conceptual orientation. And relative to our particular conceptual orientation, we'll act in a particular way. Right? If I have a conceptual orientation, it's going to foster a certain type of action. So there's a Gaudiya conceptual orientation. We call it Sambandha What is the living entity? What is the 
Maya Shakti, what is the relationship, what is the relationship between the Maya Shakti and Bhagawan, the Jeev Shakti and Bhagawan, and so on and so forth. Diksha comes under the category of Sambandha. So, this Sambandha then fosters a kind of action that we call Bhakti. So from Sambandha we go to Abhideya. And the more that we are informed, theoretically, and by acting according to that theoretical um, orientation, then we become informed in a, in, a, in a realized sense, then proportionately in each sense, both with some theoretical knowledge and realized knowledge, we, our capacity to act or engage in bhakti is enhanced. So this is very important to get a proper uh, Guru Devaya Vidmahe, understanding of Guru Tattva. In fact, in the community of Gaudiya Vaishnavism internationally, it's, it's, it's probably been the, the most misunderstood uh, tattva uh, since the disappearance of uh, Prabhupada from our manifest uh, vision. A lot of confusion. It's an, it's an important, important topic. Uh, misunderstood then. That's just chaos. This is the foundation right, of our spiritual life. So misunderstanding of that can cause so much chaos. And then and, and misinformed then glorification of the Guru. We want to glorify the Guru, but we want to do it in a way that's becoming. That means that it fits within the parameters of what is Siddhanta and Rasavichar and, and so forth. Now, outside of that, it becomes not an ornament, but it becomes a, a fault and a problem and it distances people from one another rather than unifying them together, bringing them together, which, of course, we would think that the, the Guru... Tattva is, is, is all about, and it is. So, well, anyway, while we pray for uh, this proper Sambandha Gyan in the context of this uh, Guru, Guru Gaitri, we're also praying Krishnanandaya Dhimahi. So, Krishnanandaya, that he, he has some Ananda in relation to Krishna. Ananda in relation to Krishna means he has some relationship with Krishna. He's deriving some ecstasy in, in with regard to Krishna. So he has a saibhav. Uh, he has, the, the, he has uh, rasa. Hmm. So we, we, we are up to meditate on that also. But it will properly arise out of, prop, out of proper understanding of Guru Tattva. So that should be in place. Hmm. But I guess I want to say that that it's not a taboo subject. We're chanting and asking for that every day, three times a day, who, who have their, uh, have received the mantra diksha. We're praying for that every day. My student Gurnishtas uh, attracted my attention by his um, habit, acquired habit, in chanting the Guru Vastakam. We chant the Guru Vastakam every morning, and, and there's the eight verses, but there's a ninth verse also that speaks about the fall, the fruit of chanting the the, uh, the prayers to the Guru of Vishwanath Chakrati Thakur at that time in the morning and so forth. He said, you'll achieve Vrindavan Bhakti from this. So, um, uh, after chanting that, he's developed this habit of singing, Kintu Prabhu Ya Priyabhatasya, Kintu Prabhu Ya Priyabhatasya. So I noted that and I thought, oh, he has a good understanding. Hmm? 
of what we're, what we're involved in here. He's, he's caught something there. Hmm? Of course, King Tu Prabhupada is one line, one part of, of the uh, seventh stanza of the Guru Vastakam, and it speaks about not how Krishna, how the Guru is non-different from Krishna, Sakshadhari Tvena, Samastha Shastra, but how he's different. So both things are said in that stanza. He's non-different from Krishna. Kintu means but, but he's different from Krishna. And the difference is that he's representing Krishna, but that he has at the same time a relationship with Krishna. So there's a progression there in that stanza of, of realization. Realizing the Guru is Krishna coming to me in a particular form uh, through a Vaishnava, that Tattvas is coming. And, and as I go with that and I understand that, the descent of Krishna, this Guru Tattva, then I can become acquainted with the other side, the inner side of that Vaishnava representing Krishna in terms of his or her relationship with Krishna. Kintu He's Krishna. Sakshad Hari, directly, Hari, but he's dear to Hari, so it seems contradictory, but of course, so there's a lot of our teaching, it's Veda Ved, Achintya, so um, one and different, anyway, he liked to sing that, and I, I noticed that, oh, he's so, in other words, he's interested, and in, a, in an appropriate way, hmm? this is his prayer. And I, I'd like to, this. I want to come to this. I want to. I want to see my Gurudev as he is. Something like that. Hmm? Big subject, you know. Uh, like a jewel. Then we hold a jewel in the palm of our hand, and we can see it's multifaceted. So we can look from one side and see something, another side, and and look, and we always see something different. Hmm? So this is this is this is uh, the, 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 it, every every atom is like that. <laughs> what to speak of someone who's who, who, uh, whose every atomic particle of their existence, if you will, is fully saturated with with love for Bhagavan Sri Krishna as a multifaceted person, difficult. To understand, I gave a talk once uh, in in Vrindavan. I was invited years ago, a rare occasion, to the Iskon Krishna Balaram Mandir. It was the occasion of Prabhupada's disappearance, this Tirubhav, and uh, I was able to, amongst others, to give a talk. And uh, I, I brought up this point. I'll come into my mind that we shall not beat ourselves one another over the head as to what Prabhupada's. We all have to agree what Prabhupada is exactly like. Yes, there are parameters within that that we should stay within, but nonetheless, he's showing different things to different persons. Like take our example here, for example. We know a side of Prabhupada that many people don't know. We know the side of Prabhupada's affection for his godfather, Pujapatrita Marsh, who lived with Prabhupada in his house for six years after the disappearance of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur. And they had affectionate dealings, and Prabhupada had so many wonderful things over the years to uh, to, to say about him. Had some criticisms of him too, so we know they're very affectionate. Hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, that's a that's a side of him. Hmm. 
like some people say, well, a fellow told me, he said, uh, we have, in regard to this, in my affinities for Shridham Rush, which were fostered, of course, by prophets and instructions to me, um, he said, we have Prabhupada, we don't need anybody else. And I said, we have Prabhupada, he gave us everybody else. <laughs> everybody else worth hearing from. We're gonna, that's how we got there. How I think I ended up hearing from Sridhar Maharaj. The lead came from Prabhupada himself and so on. So, at any rate, the point is that such people, our Gurudev, multifaceted uh, uh, person. <clears throat> and uh, at the same time, there are parameters within which his or her personality and reality will fall. It's interesting because there there are parameters, but the parameters are are like beyond time and space. There there are parameters, but but there's but it's unlimited at the same time. Hmm? You follow? So <laughs> so with little openness, as long as the glorification is falling within the proper parameters, we should proceed. Hmm? and glorify and hear others glorify and hopefully we'll catch something that we hadn't caught before. That's the uh, likelihood and that's why we keep talking about these uh, topics about Bhagavan, about Gaur, about Krishna, about Guru and so forth. Hmm? That we might find out more, not that it's all finished, done, understood, the biography's been written, there's nothing more to be said. Hmm? It's not the nature of the subject. Hmm? So, this then is the whole higher side, of course, the nature of his. We see one form in which he presents himself to us as in, in a sadhaka deha, but he has also this other side, internal siddha deha side. And, it's, and, and these are both um, in our interest, the latter more so in one sense than the former, um, or let's say the, the latter will round out the former. By understanding the latter, we'll really be able to understand the former. Hmm? But we won't be able to understand the latter unless we understand the former to a certain extent. If we understand Guru Tattva properly and apply ourselves properly in a general sense, then we have good scope for understanding the other side, this, uh, this Krishnanandaya, his Ananda, the nature of his Ananda. Hmm? And when we've understood that, then we can understand about his mission in this world also in ways that we couldn't have otherwise. Because that is not absent from that. That is present in that. That's actually the actual motivating factor, uh, influence behind everything that he does. I've given an example with regard to this. It came up on the forum, but I'll tell the history a little bit, which I don't think I told there. I was... Uh, got a letter from a, a godbrother of mine who had taken Harinam from Prabhupada and then after Prabhupada disappeared he, he got his second initiation mantra diksha from Pujapada Sridhar Maharaj. Nice man and he's a famous man, a famous musician in Canada. <clears throat> so he came across something in a one of those books of anecdotes about Prabhupada that his disciples are fond of writing. Uh, and um, there's a lot of them out there. And it's like, you know, Prabhupada through the filter of, you know, Satsarup Maharaj or Harisor. You take it with a little, you know, it's a grain of salt, but it's, it's inspiring nonetheless. We, we, we 
get uh, a lot of uh, it's charming and and uh, worth writing. So um, anyway, in one of these, written by I think Giriraj Swami, he had read or a friend of his had read, and it became an issue that Prabhupada had said that um, that we will what was it we will uh, and, uh, and 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 we will. Maybe he was talking about if there were difficult times or commotion in the world or a war or something. We will uh, take the bomb and drop the drop the atomic bomb on them or something. If they say, Chan Hare Krishna, if you don't, we'll drop the bomb on you. Something heavy like that. And he was like, wow, how could my Gurudev say this? He like wants to drop an atomic bomb on people if they don't Chan Hare Krishna. That's <laughs> pretty heavy. <laughs> Might not want to let that out, you know, into the into the public. And here he's got it in the book. He says, you know, and so and if they don't chant, yes, we will drop the bomb on atomic bomb on them. Sounds like a bit of religious fanaticism, fundamentalism, and so forth. And, and Prabhupada can have a bit of a feel like that sometimes. Sometimes, for different reasons, he can have a feel like that because, on the one side, in terms of his mission. He saw himself as laying down some kind of groundwork for a future of Gaudi Vaishnavism, and uh, he was in uncharted uh, waters with people who weren't familiar with um, anything of the, the the cultural background of the philosophy or the philosophy itself, and so forth. And it takes time to to digest and understand and. Uh, imbibe and, and, and so forth. So he, he talked about Gaudi Vaishnavism in a particular way, in a way that helped people get a handle, so to speak, on it so they could actually practice. He didn't speak about it, to be honest with you, in, in the most scholarly way. And this is an example of an extreme, extreme example. But even in his books, comparatively, he has a certain approach. Hmm? He has an agenda. That's a fact, and people criticize him for it. He has an agenda in the book. They, sometimes they look at the translation and the word for word, and they don't match up exactly, and the purport goes off in some direction. What does it have to do with the verse? And he's not explaining often the verse in the context of the chapter, within the context of the book, and in a systematic way like this. He's got an agenda, big fault. Hmm? Prabhupada once said, I, I came to your country as an aggressor. And I said, thank you. <laughs> we appreciate that. So he had an agenda, that's true. But, but then you have to look, what is the agenda? Hmm? You, te- you know, think about it. His agenda, of course, is, is, to, is to make devotees of Krishna, to get, peop- give, to get people, to create shraddha, in, in Krishna and Krishna Nam. That was his, the basic mission. So it's widespread. It wasn't the end of his mission, everything, but it's the major focus is to get as much shraddha, create as much shraddha as possible. That people might embark upon the path, embark upon Sharanagati and, 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 and so forth. And now you think about it. And, and he's explaining about Krishna, and this is his agenda. So... Is there, is there something wrong with that? You have to think about it. Hmm. Hmm. 
as much as we think everyone should have faith in Krishna, he's so wonderful. So sort of have an agenda to somehow or other make that happen. That was his idea. That was his, that was his spirit. Somehow or other make it happen. And so it breaks down on some level, but it doesn't really break down because there's something called Guru Parampara. That means he leaves service, the Guru, for, for, the, for the next in line to do, to sort these things out, explain the context, why he spoke like this, where, when, what his emphasis was, and so forth, to understand what, to understand his sadhaka deha. And that will take a person to realization. And I say, that will take a person who has some realization about his siddha. Because that pours through his whole work and activity as a preacher and as a sadhaka. And that will be, that could be missed and misinterpreted as some kind of blemish. But if it's understood properly, we see, oh, it's, it's an ornament. So one thing about Prabhupada's kind of style and the nature of his presentation, which, which, um, is a, is a kind of a, kind of a Kanishta Adhikari orientation to start with, to get people involved. That's not a bad thing, by the way. You've got to start somewhere, right? Komal Shraddha. And he doesn't want them to remain Kanishta Adhikari. He doesn't teach you to be a Kanishta Adhikari. He teaches you should be an Uttam Adhikari, of course. And, um, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he pushed people in such a way that uh, that uh, that if they um, took advantage of it, if they uh, remained under his influence, they would be quickly propelled to real experience, which is what's lacking in a Kanishtadikari. There's some faith, but it's not tempered like steel put in the fire by experience, or not much. And neither by much learning or understanding. So he pushed them in such a way that they could get real experience and their faith would not be komal, but it would be nishta, not tender, but fixed. So, you know, everybody has, a preacher has an agenda and they have a time frame, time, and so nobody emphasized more that preaching is according to time and circumstance than Prabhupada. I mean, this is, he hammered this over and over again. It's an obvious point in a sense but it's really lost on on a lot of uh, um, a lot of devotees these days. So to 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 locate him within time and space where he appeared and what and what he was actually trying to accomplish. So there are, you know many ways you could talk about it, but um, um, to do that is a glorification, actually. If you want, someone say, well, if someone say, well, Kriparimraj, I just heard it at his ashram. He said, Prabhupada was teaching Kanishtadikari Vaishnavas. What a, what a, what a thing to say on his Vyasa Puja day as well. <laughs> but I like to say that, um, in my experience, that, um, that, that Prabhupada had much more to say. I used to watch him sometime when I sit with him, wrestle himself down from where he was preoccupied to occupy himself with me and my concerns. Hmm? And a great person is um, not determined, I would say, um, merely, let's say in this instance, by their preoccupation, hmm? 
probably was preoccupied somewhere else, I can tell you that. People like to talk about what they're preoccupied with. But what he was preoccupied with, he found, was not uh, suitable to talk about in terms of what he was trying to accomplish, at least not in any, in any, in any detail. He was preoccupied on one plane, but his greatness is that he brought himself down from that plane to occupy himself in relation to others, that they might have some, like he could make a channel from the ocean of his brain to connect to the drop or the evaporated <laughs> you know, interest that the, that the that people in general had. I mean, he's like, you know, trying to make, he's, he's like trying to, what can he do? He's trying to like um, teach music to deaf people. What he, so you have to do something maybe that doesn't even sound like music sometimes. And, and, but he, and he was good at it. And we are here today on account of that. So there's the one side of his, um, the way he speaks about Krishna consciousness that's kind of a, kind of a strategy, if you will, hmm? to give people a, a handle. You know, there's a famous Buddhist teacher, I forget his name now, but years ago, and it was during the time of Prabhupada's wide campaign, uh, I believe, he, he gave a famous lecture called Spiritual Materialism. And it was really hip and popular and it wasn't an inaccurate what he said but basically but basically what he what he what he taught in that uh, lecture that uh, echoed throughout the, the community was that that you could be trapped in spiritual trappings dress and practice and following the rules and sadhana and so forth and that would be that would be the illusion as well. You could, be, you could deceive yourself in that context. It's like, whoa, you know. And of course, it's true. It's a good point. That point has to be emphasized sometimes. But he did it in such a way as that people said, yeah. Like we had a fellow here once that was helping us in the original construction of some of the buildings, a contractor from, from um, Scandinavia, American, uh, Scandinavian origin, nice enough man. But he had a, he had a kind of quasi-spiritual outlook on, on, on life and uh, you know, he dabbled in all these things and he had an interest. I had a nice man. He'd say things like when I wanted to get the bathroom sink finished for the first time the devotees were going to come here and camp out in tents and, and have a festival um, and I was telling him like weeks in advance of all things finished that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and it comes down to the last two days and it's not finished and, and he said, well, you know, the way I think about it, Swami, is you know, if it's supposed to happen, it's going to happen. <laughs> and I didn't say it. I thought, well, if your paycheck comes, it's supposed to happen, but, you know, or it's not. Supposed to, if it doesn't, it's not supposed to happen. You know. <laughs> so they got, you know, there's a lot of these kind of quasi-spiritual ideas out there. <clears throat> and uh, another thing that I think of him because in relation to what I'm saying, he told Chidahari once, who was talking to him about his spiritual practice, that he says, well, you know, the last snare of my is is the what does he say is the is the Attachment to your practice. <laughs> yeah. So there's some truth in it, but obviously it can be misapplied. So the spiritual materialism talk by this Rinpoche was much uh, misapplied. Like, uh, yeah, man, you know, that's you know, 
look at this guy. He thinks he's a real practitioner because he's really practicing hard, you know. Yeah, you know. We don't, we don't buy that, you know. So it can be an excuse then easily to, to give up the practice. The problem was very keen on emphasizing the practice and giving handles and the necessity to do things and so forth and kind of drilled it into people's heads in such a way that they actually did grab onto those valuable handles which take them inside. Now there is a point where you have to see them for what they are, handles and, and, and so forth and you, 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 you say a certain thing which isn't untrue but it's not the whole truth because you can't tell the whole truth to everybody all at once. And so, you know, this, we look at Bhagavad Gita, we see a gradation of how Krishna is speaking to Arjuna hmm, from beginning to end. It seems like he's taken in this direction, that direction. Hmm. But according to Adhikar, eligibility, Krishna is speaking. That's the huge part of the teaching of the Gita. Hmm. That we'll speak or address the topic in relation to the audience. What is their Adhikar? What is their eligibility? That's why he goes through all the different... He has a conclusion, obviously. He has a point that he's making throughout, but this is, this is which is bhakti, and so forth. This is one of the main points of the Gita also. Adhikara should be considered bhakti. We know Thakur is famous for saying, kind of paraphrasing the Bhagavatam, 11th canon, when he says, knowing, what does he say? Knowing one's place is true beauty. So to know where you are on the map and to take instructions accordingly relative to where you are and apply yourself there, that's real beauty, not trying to jump ahead. Apply yourself in a, or here even in a, in a, in a, um, um, beyond the, the level of your necessity. We should hear and we should, we should hear and try to listen in such a way as to hear something that's relative to our necessity. This is proper hearing, spiritual hearing. We probably use the term submissive hearing. In a sense, this is what it means. You can listen to a talk, and there'll be a varied number of, obviously, people of different levels of eligibility in the audience, people who are initiated, people uninitiated, people who, who, who uh, know a lot but have realized little, people who have realized a lot but know little, people that are... Um, you know, practicing a lot, but uh, but it's lifeless. And people are practicing a little that uh, have life, or or vice versa, and so forth. So, someone gives a talk, you got to try to address everybody. But the onus is also on the audience to listen in such a way that some things may not pertain to me. I may not understand them. That's all right. Hmm? But let me hear, listen, try to hear and find and gather something from the talk that pertains to my immediate necessity to make progress. This is the kind of hearing. It's not just for entertainment, intellectual exercise. And wasn't that a great talk? And it was scholarly, or it was you know, it was charismatic, or or wasn't that a boring talk? I've listened to lots of boring talks. I was in another society once too. <laughs> Excuse me. There were a lot of good talks there too, but uh, there were some boring ones. I probably gave some boring ones myself at times. It's quite possible. But anyway, I had a habit of listening, and. Um, and my habit was to listen for something, just one point. If I could just get one point out of the talk that, that would give me a new insight, a new inspiration, or that pertained to my immediate necessity, then I would think, then it's successful. So this is how you try to listen for Krishna, hmm? the descent. You know, there's, a, there's two things in the, the equation here. There's the listener and there's the speaker. 
speaker may not be that good. It may not be that realized. It's possible. The listener could be more interested than the speaker, and that may not be a problem. The speaker, the listener may still draw something out hmm? that the speaker said, and it meant something to him, but something else to her and the audience. And, hmm? A valuable, you know, jewel, a gem from that mine of Krishna consciousness. So, um, so anyway, Prabhupada was fond of speaking in a certain way, and uh, you know, he would say the things like, he wanted like take people's kind of kind of ground them in Krishna consciousness. You know, the famous Prabhupada. Every time I chant, I'm surrounded by a blue light, and Prabhupada says, "Keep chanting; it'll go away." You know those kind of things. This was like typical of, of him, <laughs> not to not to not to have people foster their their imagination and, and so forth, and to get them grounded in some basic practices. And 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 he spoke with a sense of emergency, urgency, and um, and it catapulted people into just oceans of of service. And I want I want to come back to this, but uh, this particular talk, but. At this point, what we're talking about here is that Prabhupada, for one reason, focused his, made his presentation the way it was, but for other reasons also, um, sometimes that apparent kind of fundamentalist or fanatical kind of thing would come out of his mouth, like drop the atom bomb on them if they don't chant Hare Krishna. So the guy wrote me and asked me, how am I supposed to think about this? Hmm? And, of course... Obviously, Prabhupada wouldn't drop an atom bomb on an atom, or to speak of a whole, you know, nation. Hmm? Um, that was not his his nature. So then, why does he say such a thing? And it, it's certainly not PC, or or you know, it, it's 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 uh, it's, uh, it's 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 potentially damaging and uh, confusing. And here was a fellow that was confused and so forth. So he asked me first, I'm at, how you, can you explain this, please? So I told him, see, there's a whole other side to Prabhupada's movements in the world in terms of his sadhaka deha, his gor lila deha, we can say, his, uh, much as his all extension of Mahaprabhu's lila mission, his preaching campaign. So he appears in a certain form in that lila. Hmm. There's, there's another side to that, and as I say, it's what? It's not just the strategy for preaching and so forth, um, but it's the, it's the emotive backing that is behind all of his movements. So he has a ananda for Krishna, and that invariably is going to come, seep out at different times. And you won't recognize it unless Krishna Nandaya Dimahi. You know, you've, you've gone there to some extent, hmm? and, you've, and, and you've got to realize something from that Guru Mantra. Not only about a guru tattva, the sambandha, but the the abhideya and the prayojan, the the, uh, the uh, of of of, uh, of the guide, one's guide. So here's an instance I told. Him, this is what this is about. You have to understand. This is yudhavira. Yudhavira means is a kind of um, rasa. Yudhavira. Yudha means vira means he- he- heroism. And Yudhavira Yudha means like fighting heroism. And this is very characteristic of Krishna's uh, sakas, Krishna saka. They're full of this, Yudhavira, 
fighting even with Krishna. It's, uh, uh, they're, they're very fond of challenging him and even defeating him at times. And they have this kind of spirit, we'll go out and challenge. And, uh, and uh, to give an example, also, uh, the Vrindavan Das Thakur, he's a Sakha. He wrote Brinda Chaitanya Bhagavad from the Sakha point of view. Uh, and uh, Krishna's Kaviraj wrote Krishna Chaitanya Charitamrita from the Madhurya point of view. This was the backing, at least, behind it. So there's a strong emphasis of, of, of Nitai Chand in, in, in Vrindavan Das's book. Not that there isn't in, in Krishna Das's, but in a slightly different, you can feel a different emphasis and so forth. He says there in his Chaitanya Bhagavad things just like this. Tell me if it rings a bell. And if they don't uh, believe in Nityananda and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then I step on their head with shoes. Hmm. You ever listen to the recordings of Prabhupada in his morning walks? Then I kick the boot on his face. Hmm? I think, wow, that's pretty heavy, Prabhupada. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, Prabhupada, Prabhupada wouldn't step on an ant. That's the fact. Hmm? Prabhupada's actually walking in one sense with his head on the ground, although he had held his head very high at the same time. Hmm? And you can do that. If you bow your head constantly, hmm? then you will know everything you need to know. Like I said before, if you love someone, they'll tell you all their secrets. Hmm? So if you bow your head constantly, then you'll be filled with the knowledge that will, that will hold your head up high also. You'll feel good not like a weird kind of head bowing that causes some neurosis and so forth. Hmm? But it's, it, it's, it's a, it, 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 it fills one with, with knowledge and, and knowing and, and, and a dis, distaste and disdain for ignorance. Hmm? Because why? A disdain for ignorance out of love because he can see it's getting in the way of that person tasting what I'm tasting. Hmm? I can't tolerate that. I'll kick on his head with shoes. Hmm? Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was once asked, how Vrindavan Das could say this when the motto of Sriman Mahaprabhu was Trinadapi Sunichena, to be more humble than a blade of grass. And he's saying, I kick on their head with shoes if they don't accept Gaur Nityananda. I trample on their heads. Bhakti Siddhartha Sarsitaka replied, that is another thing, that is a special thing. By saying that, then, then uh, Krishna immediately goes to that person, gives attention. Oh, my guru, my, my devotee has said that about you. Oh, well, don't take him seriously. Krishna pays attention to that person in a way, in a way that he wouldn't. Who, however, the point is this, however a great devotee, to whatever extent they pay attention to someone, they get excited about someone, whether it be, oh, you're so wonderful, or oh, you're a nonsense rascal. Hmm? Krishna's attention will go to that person. That's why Prabhupada was fond of the idea of being chastised by his guru. Hmm? Krishna's attention is coming to me. He's concerned to correct me. Indifference that we don't want. Attention we want, whether it be to chastise me or to praise me. Hmm? But if the guru becomes indifferent, then we think, oh, goodness, problem. He's not interested in my, me correcting me. Hmm? I'm so incorrigible. Hmm? So here we have Vrindavan Das Thakur. He probably used to say the same thing. Yeah, usually when he was talking about scientists, then I kick on their head with shoes. It's like, whoa, what are you talking? 
this is this is this is coming from from Bhava. So I told him in, in this, this fellow, this is this is Yudavya Prabhupada is like Saka, like friend of Krishna, as he makes very clear. Uh, and and sometimes these Sakas they they, they they voice themselves, let's go, challenge, whomever, yes. They're ready to challenge Krishna. And this Yudavir is very complementary to Sakiras. These two are like they very much uh, go together. So in this way, this is just one instance, we give many instances, in which if you look carefully, you can see his other side, his ananda, is coming out through his sadhaka So if you really want to understand his movements in this world, as an apparent sadhaka, where he shows by his example how we should conduct ourselves in terms of sadhana, like the Goswamis have done. That's why the Goswamis, Rupa Sanatana, so forth, and Jiva Goswami are the most important of all of Mahaprabhu's associates. Because they showed us how to do sadhana. To us, they're the most important. Ramananda Roy is important, but he wasn't showing us how to do sadhana. Nadasarup Damodar and others. Goswamis, they did. So, Prabhupada is doing that, but there's a background of that. And as we understand the background, then we can see this in the foreground also filtering through. And this, of course, then is the most, most charming thing when we come to think of our Gurudev in light of this. Hmm? So both things must be understood. There's much scope then for to be interested in, in the, the inner nature of our, uh, our, our Gurudev. Then again, of course, relative to our Adhikar, but at least we should understand it's not taboo. This isn't a place that, you, that there's no, there's no, there's no, no uh, nothing to talk about. There's much to be said about that. Especially, we find, as I point out in other places, in any sect of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, if there's any hint, even, that comes out externally as to the Guru's sentiment, they make a poster out of that. They make a poster out of that. I agree today, and, and it properly so. That's fine. Hmm? He's shown this here. We know. Yes, our Gurudev has connection with that side, with that soil. He's from there. Hmm? He's grounded there. Hmm? So it's interesting that Prabhupada. The, the general conception is that Prabhupada didn't talk about his inner life. And there's some truth to that. But if you look carefully at everything he said and everything that he wrote, you'll find an ocean of evidence that just completely dwarfs what I've seen in my experience of other sects of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, what hints they have here and there. It's pretty interesting, actually. As much as his lips were sealed in one sense, and appropriately so, hmm? there's all this evidence that oozes out. We compiled a whole a huge body of it. Hmm? And, and from every angle, it shows a whole pattern, isn't it? From, from childhood you know, to his passing from the world, hmm? all the way throughout, and from all different sides, from perspectives of, uh, of others who, who weren't in the mission, from the perspective of his, of his disciples who didn't even know what they were, 
what, why they were saying, why they were feeling like that, and so with the things he directly said himself, hmm? and uh, in his writing and so forth, and, and uh, in relation to his family, his father, his everything. It's, it's a, just an amazing body of, of evidence that just speaks so loudly about how Gurudev's um, uh, um, relationship with that land, such a, such a profound uh, connection. I mean, not as much as, what I, what I want to say is, as much as that evidence gives, will give devotees in different sects, like, you know, we knew it, but now we really know it, kind of, that he's got connection there. Our Gurudev is high, our Gurudev is realized, or something like that. Um, uh, uh, as much as they, they, they really, this is like the nectar of the mission, you know. Uh, there's a hint here and there. This is like it's overwhelming in Prabhupada's case. Overwhelming. Hmm? So to make that available in, in an insightful and thoughtful way with the, uh, explaining the implications of it and so forth, this should give great uh, courage and enthusiasm and, uh, and um, happiness to his students and grandstudents and, and so on and so forth. And it also gives... It also, given the particulars of this, it gives a reason to be different, which a lot of prophets sects want to be different than everybody else. But a good reason. Hmm? A rasic reason, rather than a reason based on aparad or lack of understanding of Guru Tattva. Misconception about Guru Tattva, which, as I said, can distance people from one another. Hmm? So it's a beautiful thing. It's a charming thing. It's, uh, it's, I want to say it's certainly worth discussing. And I know we have discussed it here. I won't go into the detail at this point, but um, to go then uh, uh, and conclude my short uh, talk here uh, to the other side of what came up in relation to Prabhupada was this, this um, lack of appreciation of, of Prabhupada and sense of uh, the measure of his divinity. What I've said here thus far is the measure of his divinity is, is overwhelming, overwhelming evidence of his, of his keen interest in preoccupation with uh, that side, and, uh, and, 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 and from evidence from where, in particularly, specifically, he drew his power, Shakti, to do the kind of work that he did. Analyzing all of this, you've got to come up with a person who is the highest caliber of, uh, of uh, uh, spiritual realization. So this other person, anyway, who didn't have the kindest things to say about Prabhupada, Cited this verse I cited earlier, Acharjamam Vijaniyam. It says the Guru is, Krishna says, I am the Acharya. So she reasoned, if, if the Guru is not different from Krishna, how can he say something different from Krishna? If he says something different from what Krishna says, then at least he can't be an Acharya because it says Acharjamam Vijaniyam. Mm. So if Prabhupada was really, in a, and it's sort of silly here, he's making a whole thing out of this. She's really, really, really deep, but uh, it's really, really shallow. Hmm. Let me shed a little light on this. Um, first of all, the verse, the context of the verse is the 11th canto. And what is Krishna speaking about there when he says this? He's actually speaking about Varnashram. And he's speaking about the family guru, we call Kulu Guru. Hmm? Kulu Guru. Not a sadguru necessarily. I mean, kuru guru, kulu guru could be a sadguru, 
that would be great. But oftentimes, they're not. You know, India is a land of gurus, bogus ones too. But they worship everybody, cows, parents, elder brothers, mothers, hmm? teachers in all fields. It's like, you know, it's like it used to be in old times, you bring an apple to the teacher. So you can't come to the, to the music teacher without bringing a gift and paying your respect and, and so forth. So it's a, it's a land of worship, really. It's, it's really rich in this, uh, 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 this, 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 this spirit of, of submission. And, 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 and they find freedom in that, they find, which is just such the antithesis of the Western society. Hmm. The free individual. And, and so forth, and by, by our standards, that's that's, the, that's that's moving directly in the direction of, of bondage. So the East and West are very different in their thinking, and India in particular, hmm. very very different, and um, and so this verse, what it's really saying is, you should accept the family guru as me directly. So the implication is what? That, that Krishna is speaking about, about the necessity for, be, for having regard rather than, you know, the Western critical thinking to the extreme where we say, uh, question authority, question authority, and that there's a kind of a of a, what, a kind of an irreverence that's hip and uh, getting to the bottom of things and, and, and so forth. It's not that, that spiritual life doesn't encourage critical thinking. It does, it very much does. And this is some critical thinking to arrive at this kind of understanding of how to approach things. Think it out. Hmm? Think it out. How much can you know by a... Um, by a, what would Prabhupada say? By a ascending, you know, pushing yourself up to, to enter into the uh, areas, uh, you know, wherever it is, you know, to understand reality, which is pretty big, and inside of the, you know, between your ears, fit it all in there. <laughs> it's a bit of a... That's probably called it the Dr. Frog philosophy. Um, so this is one approach, and East has a different approach. And to, uh, to arrive at the other approach requires some critical thinking, to think it out, what would be a more reasonable approach. And then even within the context of that approach, it's not that there's no place for inquiry, questioning, as I've said before. We should come before the guru, sit, and doubt. We think... Well, if I come before the guru and I doubt, I guess I'm, I doubt if I'm qualified. I shouldn't be here. No, you should. That's what this is for. You bring your doubts. Hmm? But you don't keep them within. You voice them. Hmm? And then he or she answers them. And then they go away. That's the whole idea. You bring the doubts. Sit and doubt. Hmm? So it, doubt means to question and to probe and so forth. I mean, it's within the context. It's with respect and so forth. But it doesn't just mean, Marsh, I got a question. Ask the question. Marsh doesn't know the answer. Just don't, uh, don't, don't, don't be like that. 
submissive questions we want only. <laughs> and, you know, fakes the whole thing, and he doesn't really know the answer. There is a good answer, but that's a challenging question. Why are you asking that? Just chant Hare Krishna or something. No, you know, this, this, this uh, good answer should be there. Hmm? And if they're not, then we respectfully go away. We look elsewhere we can, where we can find them. And so you come doubt. And if your doubts can be removed, go, go forward. Go forward. Hmm? And as you go forward and the doubts are removed, then what happens is you just you start to, everything, everything makes sense is what happens. The defense of your intelligence is, 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 is uh, penetrated by the heart of the guru hmm? through, the, through his, through his well-wishing for you, through his love for you and his love for Krishna, which is behind the words. And, the, and the, 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 you know, we listen and, well, maybe, you know, never heard this Swami before. Maybe I'll accept that, maybe I won't. And if he or she is successful, then that, that defense is penetrated and the heart is opened up and everything. You can go inside and be of help. Hmm? Put things there. Later you find they're there, you didn't know even. Hmm? So, there's room for critical thinking. Hmm? Um, we don't mean to say that submissive inquiry is, is without that. I mean, look at the nature of the critical inquiry into the nature of the absolute that constitutes the, the, the body of Indian philosophy, Vedanta, in all of its different shades. This is critical thinking. But there's a context to it. So Krishna says, a charge of Mumbijaniyam. What he's advocating here is, among other things, if you look at the context, we see he's advocating a respectful kind of attitude hmm? <laughs> for our seniors and guru figures in our life. Hmm? We stand to gain more by cultivating that hmm? than, than, a, than, a, than a doubtful and, uh, and uh, questioning and critical uh, that could uh, go in the direction of being, as was in the case of this person, very uh, offensive kind of understanding. She said, well, Prabhupada said things that were different from what Krishna said. Therefore, how can he be anacharya? So a person has to understand what is their position, first of all, in relation to all this. How can he be anacharya? He had an agenda, as I said. Anacharya means has an agenda. It's Krishna's agenda. And Krishna explains himself in different ways at different times. And they may appear contradictory. Over here you said this. And over here you said that. Which is true. Both. Hmm? Different time, different circumstance. Why? Because he has an agenda. He wants to accomplish something. Hmm? He wants to make you a devotee. To make you a devotee, you have to say it like this. To make you a devotee, you may have to say it like that. Over there. If you both become devotees, then what? Hmm? Then you've understood. Hmm? And then you say it a different way altogether, as well, some other, other instance. Those different ways of talking about the same thing that may appear um, contradictory. Hmm. And as I said, Krishna contradicts himself. In the beginning of the... Uh, uh, when, at the end of the Gita, he says you should give up everything. In the beginning of the Gita, he says you shouldn't give up anything. You should stick to your Dharma. Hmm. Stay to your Dharma. 
Again, he says, give up all dharma. So it depends when you're listening, what he says, why and who he's talking to and, and so forth. Prabhupada might say, yes, 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 you've fallen from Vaikuntha. Another Prithi writes, no one ever falls from Vaikuntha. Oh, he's contradicted himself. He can't be an Acharya. Hmm? This is kind of a foolish um, idea. And the very verses I say that, that she quotes to place Prabhupada, you know, somewhere less than the heights of which we're, we're, we're placing and realizing him where he's actually situated is about showing respect on every level to cultivating this respectful attitude, not this, uh, this question authority type of critical thinking. And, uh, and Prabhupada said this about women. He's, uh, you know, a, a, a misogynist. And Krishna was, you know, that can't be Krishna. Look at Krishna, he might be considered a misogynist too. But <laughs> he might be considered sexy. Sure you know where you're going here? <laughs> that is just a social construct, of course, also. You should honor all people and all people. You know, you take Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam is Krishna. Look at it. You know, if you look at it superficially, it's, it, it could seem to be very sexist. It's the story of Krishna. But if you look at it carefully, you see, in the context of sacred literature, there is no more socially revolutionary, socially revolutionary book in the whole um, corpus of uh, the, the Vedic literature than the Bhagavatam. It's a, so, it's a total social revolution. That's the whole idea of the gopis. Yes, it, in one sense, it keeps the structure in place. Gopis only do certain things. Gopas only do certain things, ladies have their place, and so on and so on. That's the superficial structure that it keeps in place. But it goes beneath that structure. And that's what it really is about drawing out. And, and these ladies are placed on high then, from the Bhagavad perspective. This is the highest, highest position. They're worshipped by everybody. So if you look at the text in the context, of the Indian history and so forth, you find it's, it's very revolutionary. It's, as much as the Varnashram Dharma is the social standard, it's really saying, this is just a sham, this social idea. I mean, it's, it's, it's a superficial thing, I should say. I mean, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, mm-hmm. the devotees will quote, Una karma mi bhagasa. There's the next verse. Hmm. It's been a long time, but uh, he says, they say, well, Krishna says, hey, I, I created this. In the verses, I created this Varnashram system. And in the later half of the verses, but I have nothing to do with it. Hmm? That's what he says. This system comes from me, that Varna and Varnashram is determined by guna and karma and so forth. And I've created it, but I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> That's the, really the full implication of the verse. They want to pound on this. Everything should be varna, Varnashram. Krishna's beyond Varnashram. Mahaprabhu said, That's not very interesting to me, Varnashram, when Ramananda Roy spoke to him. Mahaprabhu said, What's the, what's the sadhya, the meaning of it, the goal, the means of attaining it? He said, Follow the Varnashram. Mahaprabhu said, eh, You've got to be kidding. Say something more than that. <laughs> Say a little more. Hmm? So Bhagavatam is 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 
is really socially revolutionary. Um, it's giving the highest position to the gopis, and appropriately so. And, 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 and saying these social structures, maybe they have value at different times and places. There's value to social structure, obviously, but it's relative. Hmm? And so then if you want to look at Varnashram in a dynamic way as we do here, then you try to look at the essence of it. You want to have, you need material balance in your life. You have to have both feet on the ground if you want to jump up and touch the stars. So Varnashram is about balance. So to be psychologically balanced, this is what's required. If we have Dr. Bomsi, you know, people like this, you know, to, uh, who's been in counseling his whole life, by the way. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> So, so in this way, it's a very hers was a very uh, shallow, almost not worth dignifying, uh, you know, with a with a response, uh, because that kind of irreverence that's so pervasive there, um, it makes for not a very suitable place in which to pour a cup of nectar. You know, it's got holes in 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 in. The, in a cup, it will come out the bottom. Hmm? So that's why humility is so often stressed. Because when a devotee sees humility in, in, in another senior devotee sees humility in a in a less uh, advanced devotee, then he or she sees a place where they can they can give something, and it will stick. They feel still there's a chance for it staying there. Not, not that it will go in one ear and out the other. Hmm? So we conduct ourselves. We should with a humble heart as Mahaprabhu said, and, and this Prabhupada did challenge the whole world, you know, to, to do the same, even if it means stepping on their head with, with shoes. So, any questions? A few words, anyway, inadequate as they are, about uh, Prabhupada, his contribution, his reality, and, and how, how fortunate we are, really, to be in, his, uh, in the wake of his uh, mission, and all this is the pioneering stages of Gaudiya Vaishnavism um, outside of India and in connection with modernity and postmodernity and, and so on. It's exciting times to be uh, to be living, and um, you know everything's not in place all at once. A, like here, we're still we we just passed the pioneering stages here with the, erecting the temple. We have so much to do, and now we're pioneering and. In Central America, in Madhavan. So, anyway, the whole Gaudi of Ashtavism is still in the pioneering stages. It requires that people from the local soil where Prabhupada came to and dropped the nectar, that that starts to grow there. And, and, and then it, it, Gaudi of Ashtavism expresses itself in that cultural context with the use, the full application of the critical thinking, like Prabhupada would say, use your American. European, he used to say, Western intelligence to do something with this. You think about it. And that's the first thing Sridhar said to us when we asked him questions. He said, well, here's the thing. You've got to think about it. Your Gurudev told you not to think. And that's very much true also. Although he did say, use your intelligence. He also told us, don't think. And he stopped our minds and poured so much inside us. He said, now in his absence, you have to Think about it, all those things that he told you. What is the implication of that? What is the deeper meaning? What is the practical application? Now you have to start to apply it in a, in a dynamic way. Hmm? So these are exciting times to be living.
at the lotus feet of uh, Srila Prabhupada. Shri Esi Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada Ki Jai. Shri Esi Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada Avirbhav Mahamotsapatiti Ki Jai. Shri Vyasa Puja Ki Jai. Gaur Bhaktavrinda Ki Jai. Udpemanande. Now we'll conduct the, uh, the Arctic for Prabhupada, Guru Puja. Agni Asya Singh. Shri Guru um, Charana Padma that Prabhupada liked. And, um, and then we'll have the uh, Bogartik, Gornitananda, and Mahaprasad. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Jai.